Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love draft season and are generally unsettled by Mel Kuyper, this is the place for you. Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. My name is David, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Squid and Dylan, and we've got a great show for you today. Nino Bonacorsi joined us to talk about his national championship heroics, uh, but before that, we get to talk a little bit about the draft, and we get to talk a little bit about some player movements, both in and out of the Pitt Athletics Department. Uh, before we get there, Squid, Dylan, how are you guys doing this weekend? I'm good. I'm hanging in. Just did some painting around the house. It's one of the more inconvenient house chores that needs to be done. But I will say, once you have a fresh coat of paint on, everything everything looks so much better. You just you just feel good after it. Yeah, yeah. It's fresh. It's like you got a new house or something. Squid. I got really excited for the draft. I put on draft day on. Um... HBO Max just because I was bored and needed something on in the background. Uh, the movie isn't very good, but it, it does get me more excited for the draft. I've actually never watched that. Is it bad? Yeah, neither have I. Uh, it's entertaining, but there's a lot of dumb stuff. Like the Browns GM trades up from seven to one, which you'd think would be an amazing thing. Everyone's excited they have the number one overall pick when this franchise quarterback's on the board. But the head coach is mad about losing draft picks, which is like backwards and he walks in and sets all the scouts notes on fire and he said he wasted all their time it's like that doesn't happen there's a lot of dumb things that are like yeah that wouldn't happen nobody does this so so it was like a symbolic gesture like, like that a, was his that was his protest for them trading up to the first overall pick yes for the first time ever an nfl okay. coach is upset about getting the number one overall pick who's a like bona fide number one pick quarterback there's a lot of dumb things that they like it's kind of like a, a disney movie where it's like all right we have to make this like overly obvious this is the bad guy and this is the guy we're rooting for if you're okay. looking for like a realistic thing it's Moneyball is an awesome movie seems pretty realistic uh draft day is like Moneyball light now i know what i'm gonna make tori watch tonight but before we get uh, too far into the draft, uh, we have some general pit movements uh, to talk about. Uh, it is, of course, portal season for both uh, football and basketball. Uh, so these updates are going to be coming almost on a day-to-day basis from here until the end of June. So it, it, let's, if we want to start with football, uh, the good news is we gained a new tight end, Malcolm Epps. Uh, the bad news, Miles Austin a wide receiver is departing the program. Do we have any particular feelings about either of those things? Neither really moved the needle for me too much. Um, Epps is interesting. He was a pretty highly touted recruit coming out of high school. 6'6", 250, seems like an athletic freak, but for whatever reason, really hasn't been able to put it together. Uh, started his career at Texas, ended up at USC, so naturally he he goes to an, another blue blood in Pitt. So, yeah, you he's got a type. 
yeah, he wants to play at the the highest level for the biggest brands and the most most important programs in college football. So he he just kind of kept that going. He was actually committed to Alabama too. So basically, the most four important college yeah. football programs he's been involved with. Alabama to Texas to Southern California to Pitt. It, it's these Natural things that logically precede each other. Yeah, Narduzzi just uh, pulled a fast one on Lincoln Riley, took one of their best players in revenge for Jordan Addison. I don't know if this guy will play, but he's huge, and our tight ends, besides Bart, you don't really get much from him, so another body. Great. Um, similar a huge feelings. body. He's very he's huge a body. freak, a huge freak. He had three catches last year for 18 yards, but two of those went for touchdowns. So maybe he's just a big red zone target for Phil to throw the ball up to, or he's just a just a massive body to put out there as an intimidation factor. So you're telling me that we now have a 6'6", 260-pound tight end that scores 60 to 70% of the time he touches the ball. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. Narduzzi, how do you do it, man? The rich get richer. Absolutely. Uh, what about Miles Austin? There was some consideration. Austin? Austin? A L S T O N. Well, what? the the fact that sums that, it up right there. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that we're debating how, how to pronounce his last name just shows how much he's contributed. Uh, I'm sure he's a great guy, great kid, but in a re- receiver room that's already pretty thin, if someone's transferring after spring ball, either he doesn't really like the school or he didn't see himself playing. Um, and if it's the latter, then, you know, I don't I don't think it's a major loss for the program. You're going to have player movement. Pitt does a good job of not losing a ton of guys to the portal. But if, a, like we said, if, if a receiver is going to leave this already bare cupboard of a receiver room, then they probably probably weren't going to play much here in, in their time at Pitt regardless. So wish them the best of luck. I hope everything works out for them. But. It's the, the the concerning thing is this just kind of continues a trend that Pitt has not recruited receiver very well, other than landing Jordan Addison. Uh, a lot of their high school receivers that have come through, it's been a while since they've really hit on one. So I'm hoping with this bigger class they brought in this year, one of, one or two of these guys will be a stud. But the the recruiting at the receiver position hasn't been the greatest over the past few years, and they're kind of paying for it now. No, no, and we're going to hear so much about that receiver room this offseason, and and I hope that we hit on one of these transfers um, that have come into the portal. Uh, It seems like every time someone enters the portal, uh, you know, we get a new section on the layer like, oh, how would would this fifth-year guy from UAB that had like 20 catches for 300 yards and two touchdowns fare at Pitt? They're going to be active in the portal. we can control the things we can control, which is uh, not letting guys leave in the meantime. However, I would imagine if Alston is leaving a receiver room that thin, he still somehow found himself far down the roster, far down the depth chart. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it means that some of these freshman receiver that came in look really good and passed them up. Yeah. Demar Seymour, Izzy Poke. Maybe those guys have looked so good in spring ball that he figured he should go look elsewhere. That's that would be the optimistic view of this situation. That'd be cool. Fingers crossed. So football, there will continue to be movements uh, 
all summer almost. Uh, basketball, the portal just opened up. Um, and we saw a little bit of movement there. We got a Ishmael Legat. Legat? Legat. 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 I'm going to go with Jeff Capel's shiny new toy. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Transfer guard from Rhode Island. Averaged over 16 points a game last year at Rhode Island. Their leading score this past season. A much-needed veteran guard that they needed to add. They're going to have a very young backcourt next year, but this does add a little bit of experience. I was more excited about Leggett until I looked up and saw that Rhode Island was 9-22 and last year. So he's not exactly coming from a proven winner, but he has proven that he can score the ball. Uh, Atlantic 10 is good basketball. That's that's a very good mid-major conference. There's a lot of good programs in the Atlantic 10. So I, I'm excited about it. It's it's definitely a big get anytime you can get a guy who puts the ball in the hoop like that. He had a few 30-point games last year for Rhode Island. And like I said, they needed some experience at the guard position because as it stood before then, we, we were looking at potentially a starting backcourt of a couple guys who have never played a minute of college basketball. So adding a veteran guard there and it seems uh, the eligibility thing. I'm so excited for when all of the guys with COVID years are out of college and we can go back to looking at guys like a guy who's a junior has his junior year and senior year of eligibility left, not a COVID year and a medical red shirt and this just because waiver. But I'm under the impression that he has two years of eligibility. So something different because last year, how many of the, how many transfers we got who were one-year guys. Um, so it, it'll be nice to see a little bit of continuity within the program. Yeah, I'll say this. we got a quality guard who can score. A good ball handler seems like a pretty well-rounded guard uh, with a lot of experience. Like you said, we needed that. We're at the point where we're looking beyond just the points per game. Before, it was like, oh, this guy averages 17 points a game. He must be amazing. We need him. Now with Pitt, we're at the point where it's like, yeah, he scores a lot, but he's not on a good team or his conference is weak, so he might not be a great fit. So we're getting quality players. We're not grabbing bums from JUCOs you never heard of that didn't have a rivals page coming out of high school. So uh, Jeff Capel's getting some quality guys. One year of Are you throwing months. shade at Federico Federico right now? <laughs> As I was saying that. I was like, that kind of fits Federico Federico. But I was more so thinking about the guys that Kevin Stallings is bringing in, like the Ken right. um, no, we could, We're now seeing the benefits of having a little bit of success and making the tournament. Now you have a recruiting pitch. Now you can bring some quality guys in, and it's not just, hey, you got to trust me. We could be good if you come here. Um, now it's, we are good. Do you want to be a part of this? So well, there's still more recruiting to be done. Uh, I think Pitt will add at least one more guy. Yeah, uh, so whoever that is, uh, high hopes. Capel's slowly checking them off his list. We got, you know, we got an athletic wing. Uh, we got a seasoned point guard. Just need some three-point shooters and a, maybe a that big fat guy we keep talking about that's going to give us 12 minutes a game, four fouls. Yeah, I, I think there is still definitely work to be done to fill out this roster. Um, I think if you look at the roster right now, it's, pretty full we've got i believe 11 guys on on the roster for next year so there's two scholarships to play with two or three so realistically they could go into the season next year with this team that they have but i i think you 
do your due diligence in the portal. And if you get a guy you think can help you win next year, you go and get him. Um, if not, I, I think Cable's shown before he's willing to leave a scholarship or two open. If a guy's not, they're not going to just take guys just to take them. Um, especially, you know, if that guy has multiple years of eligibility. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think if they can go get a couple more guys who can really contribute next year, um, Pitt's, Pitt's reloading. They're, they lost a lot to the portal. But or I'm sorry, it's a graduation, but there's there's a lot that can be added here and this team can be just as good, if not better, than this this past twenty twenty two team. Also, yeah, Blake Henson entered the entered the NBA draft process. Yeah, I was gonna say that's uh that's another thing they're gonna need to keep on their radar as we dip into the portal. There is a a chance, a non zero chance that we we lose out on Blake Henson. How do you guys react to uh you know hearing that he would be testing the waters of the NBA draft. Basketball is weird with this entering the process, entering the draft process. I think anytime I see somebody that isn't like a surefire lottery pick and they enter the draft, I don't really blink an eye because they're probably just getting some feedback and all of that fun stuff. And then coming back because there's no harm to doing it. Uh, I'm guessing that's what Blake Henson's doing. Nobody knows. Maybe we'll get some good feedback and say sayonara pit, but I, I think he's coming back. I'm I highly back. doubt it. Yeah. I Blake Henson's awesome and love him. Love his game. I just don't really see him going and talking to a bunch of NBA teams and them giving him enough feedback to say that, yeah, you should come out. We're going to draft you. We're going to use one of our two picks on you. I, I don't see that happening just with, how Blake Henson's game is now. I think he has to get into better shape, probably slim down a little bit. Uh, I love big ass Blake throwing his weight around out there, throwing up 30 footers, but it's pretty obvious. He, he struggles to get past guys off the dribble. Um, foot speed isn't the greatest, but if he could slim down a little bit, he has unbelievable. He already has NBA range, can really shoot it. Doesn't need much space to shoot it. So NBA teams are looking for that. Um, and I think that's probably some of the feedback he'll get and something he can work on, improve his game this year, and maybe uh, give, give himself a real chance to land on an NBA roster come next year. Yeah, I imagine that feedback is a big part of why he's doing it, maybe the yeah. entire reason he's doing it. Um, so I, I wouldn't love start... that NCAA allows it now. I, I think I, for I so wish... long it was, a, it was an issue. I wish that they did that in football too. I yeah. I really do. Um, but yeah, so so – no no panic yet that we might lose Blake. No panic. But if he for some reason says he's gone, I, I will panic a little bit. That would be a big hit. That would that'd he, be he'll probably be our best player next year. He'll yeah, be our ring or score. I don't think there's much much debate about that. He will be the guy next year. So Blake, please come back, but please. We'll we'll see what happens. So that's obviously something we'll keep some eyeballs on. Uh the portal always changing. You can uh Stick around with us, and we'll we'll take you through every step of it for the rest of the summer. Uh, but we have something big coming down the immediate pipeline. Thursday starts the NFL draft, and there are quite a few Panthers that could hear their names called uh, next weekend. Uh, how do we how do we feel going into it for our our guys that repped the uh, royal and gold? We got to start at the top. Uh, I think it's awesome that Kalaja Kansi is getting as much buzz as he is. I think this sort of happened with a couple of players uh, a few years ago. Like we saw, we would see a few mock drafts where we're like, oh, Patrick Jones 
Rashad Weaver, Jalen Twyman. They're up in the first, second round range in this way too early mock draft. And they stay up there, but not in the first round. Uh, Kansi took a big jump, and I feel like he's going day one. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised I, if he doesn't. Pretty much everything I've seen at this point has him going in the first round. Yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of where. But yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty awesome. And I was looking at a list today, and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but uh, a mock draft that had six pit players being selected in the seven round draft, like it put into perspective for me just how much talent was on this pit team these last two years. I mean, I'm looking at the, the ACC championship squad that had a first round quarterback, Kenny Pickett. First round defensive tackle, Kalaja Kansi. More than likely, first round wide receiver, Jordan Addison. And then a handful of other guys who are going to play on Sundays. That that team was unbelievable. Izzy Abanacanda, all, all American running back. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just a loaded squad. And this draft, obviously, last year, Kenny went first round. Damari Mathis got drafted. But this draft will, will kind of showcase just how talented this roster has been these last couple of years. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I, I think of of everyone uh can't see everyone that was on that ACC championship team can't see has a chance uh to go the highest. So I've seen a lot of people uh take him tenth overall to the Eagles. Um could also see him going. Uh I think they have another pick thirtieth, thirtieth to the Eagles and also eighteenth to the Lions, but uh Either way, that would be that'd be higher than Kenny, and if he surpasses Addison, uh, that would that would seal it. But uh, he he could be a top ten pick. It's not out out of the realm of possibility. Doesn't surprise us, Pitt fans who've been watching no. him the last few years. It's we talked about it before, but it was fun watching all the NFL draft nerds start to crunch tape and discover who Kalaja Kansi was, um, and now. It's like it feels like half of NFL Twitter wants Kansi on their team. I think I want him on the Eagles just because uh, it would he and he and Jordan Davis fulfill that really important comedic role of one fat and one regular. <laughs> there would just be a lot of physical comedy of an undersized defensive tackle and the biggest human in football lined up next to each other. Think about how unstoppable those stunts would be. Like Jordan Davis just caves down to the right and takes on a double team and swallows three guys. Goes all the way around down that open lane that he cleared. I don't know how you would have enough manpower on the offensive line to stop that. So for that reason, I hope they don't get cancy because they would be unstoppable and would probably win like five Super Bowls in a row. Not what Kenny Pickett's in the league. So uh, after Kansi, who do we think the the next top pit pick is? So I think there's two potential guys we could look at here. I think Izzy has a chance to go in the first three rounds. Um, although you never know with the running backs, teams might not want to reach that high for him. But I, I we've said it before, but I think a team will talk themselves into him. Another one. That I've seen. I'm just looking at this mock draft now with the six pit players taken. Uh, this was Matt Miller's seven round mock. Had Cansey going 18. The second Panther he had picked was Carter Warren at 101. Um, and we've I've seen some tweets saying that a lot he was a he was a hot name around combine and pro day time. Yeah, a lot of teams really like him as maturity. He was a captain at Pitt, and 
I mean, he's a massive human being. So Carter Warren is a guy who could go in probably day two, uh, early on day two. I think Carter Warren has the widest range of anybody in the draft for Pitt. I would be so stressed out on draft weekend because it's like, hey, you might go near the top 100 or you might go on the last day. I don't know where he's going to fall in that range, but it sounds like he will be drafted. And uh, that's pretty awesome because he's come a long way at Pitt. Yeah, so a lot can... of potential there. Um, could go to a team that is uh, that definitely needs some depth on the line that has like a bit of an aging line and that wouldn't need to throw him in immediately, but could, you know, start grooming him for a, a starting spot a couple of years down the line. Um, and then there's there's Izzy. I'm I'm surprised at the number of uh, uh, I I think he's going to be a third rounder, but I've seen a lot of mock drafts have Carter Warren go before him. Um, but I I spent the most time today thinking about Izzy because there's just so many places he could go and be awesome. Oh yeah. Like I mean... if if the Titans part with Derrick Henry, he ain't Derrick Henry, but he doesn't not remind me of Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry shaved like half a second off his 40. Just a really, really big dude that runs super upright. Yeah, I think Izzy's going to be sweet wherever he goes. I'm yeah. gonna be, I can't wait to watch out. I really want him, I want Izzy to go somewhere that needs a running back and they're just going to make him their guy from day one or one of their guys. Like, I want to be able to sit down week one and be like, oh, the... I'm going to say I'm going to mess up here and say a team that already has a running back. But, oh, the Dolphins are playing. Well, it's time to watch Izzy get 18 carries today. Like, that's what I that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, honestly, the best case scenario for any Panther in the NFL uh, is they give us another team uh, whose games we will be interested in and we can just watch them the whole time and they'll be sweet. Right. As long as it's not like a division rival. Someone outside the AFC North. That we can yeah, watch yeah. and root for their success. Yeah, so uh, so no Bengals, no Browns, no Ravens this year. Fingers crossed for uh, all our guys getting drafted. Um, so those three, I think, are like the sure thing. Um, and, and they'll probably go in the first f- four rounds. And then there's a lot of, I don't know if I want to say question marks, but less sure things. Guys that could go as early as fifth or you know as late as not getting drafted at all. I think once you get to that fourth round or past the fourth round, it's really a crapshoot. It's like those guys, you get into a whole pool of guys who can get drafted in the fifth round or go undrafted. Um, but the next one on that list would probably be a Brandon Hill. He's probably in yep. that range. Uh, I think Brandon Hill, we're overlooking at how good his combine was because it was so long ago and there have been so many impressive pro days since. I could see him maybe going ahead of Carter Warren. I don't know if Warren's like a high block, but I could see Hill having a higher ceiling than some of the other guys we haven't named yet, maybe sneaking into like the fourth. So I think there's going to be a team out there that uh, falls in love with Brandon Hill. I feel the same way about Haba, where there's, there's a very real possibility Haba goes undrafted, but I could also see a team really talking themselves into his potential and his physical tools and taking him like earlier than we expect. Like a fourth rounder. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think a pretty unproductive senior year hurt him a good bit, probably cost yeah. him a good bit of money. I think it's also fairly accepted that he was playing at least a little bit injured for just about the entire season. So yeah, I agree with you there. I think Hobb was a, a good, has a good chance to land on a roster. Um, and then Servasier Dennis is another guy who I I'm leaning towards just with my history of watching the draft and thinking pick guys are going to get drafted and they don't. I'm leaning towards he's going to go undrafted, but then I know wherever he ends up, he's just going to make the roster and everyone's going to be like, how did no one take this guy? Like I am so confident Servasier Dennis is going to be a good NFL player. And that's why regardless of where he like where he gets taken, I want it to be by the Steelers. He is the one pit guy that I I really, really want the Steelers to take. It is a position of need. We've watched him be great for years. He's a smart dude, absolutely great guy. Just the the kind of player you want, um, both representing Pitt and the Steelers. And I genuinely think he could be the Steelers starting linebacker in the next two years. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll take all these guys, honestly. If Pitt yeah. takes if Pitt, or if the Steelers land any of these Pitt guys in the draft, I'll be ecstatic. Um, and then uh, those, those are the six. They should just I take saw. all of them. Yeah, we should just become, I mean, just move them next door. They're already acclimated with the building. They don't have to go through any tours. You save time, time I mean, and resources on touring them through the city. We We hit on Kenny Pickett. That's one for the last one. So that's 100% by my math. Just keep picking Panthers. Batting a 1,000 and then sign. So those we've named the six that I saw taken in that seven-round mock, and then we didn't even talk about Eric Howitt. We didn't even talk about Jared Wayne. I think Jared Wayne's probably an undrafted guy, another guy who I think is going to get into camp and really compete. At the very least, Jared Wayne will just be a soldier on special teams. Like just be an absolute dog at gunner or literally just toss him out on the on the punt block team and he'll he'll make things happen. Um but Eric Howlett, super productive year, maybe not the greatest measurables. Physically. Yeah, measurables yeah. physically not super impressive, but ran pretty well at pro day. So um I I I could see a team falling in love with the tape on Eric Howlett. Marcus Miner, I think, of the guys who we have not mentioned yet has the best chance of actually getting drafted. Um, I don't know if he will, but that's another one we definitely want to keep on our radar. And we just named nine guys from this past year's team who could potentially get drafted or end up on a team in someone's training camp. Like, this is going to be a fun year for Pitt fans in the yeah. draft. So uh, keep your eyes peeled uh, for our guys' names to be called. Uh, Thursday until whenever the draft ends. It'll feel like a week. It had been a week at that point. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get some new guys in the NFL. And I'm sure they're all going to be future Hall of Famers because that's what Pitt does. Well, it's been a long time since we've done a Mount Washington. And this was the perfect time to bring it back up because it's the offseason. We want to have a little bit of fun with it. The NFL draft's coming up. So this week's Mount Washington, we're going to be drafting... The best or worst, most common. Have we decided how we want to do it? I think it's our favorite. So it can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Favorite. That's the perfect way to put it. Our favorite NFL draft cliches. You know you know all of them. You've heard them all a million times. Mel Kuyper, 
Todd McShay. They have their they have their go to ones, but there's also some some lower level ones that you might not might not come straight to the top of your head. But that's why we're here today, and we're going to draft them for you. And there are lists online of like hundreds of these, so it's going to be pretty tough. We're going to leave out a lot of really good ones, and people are going to shit on us on Twitter. But there are we invite so that many. shit. We we love that. Yeah, we love that. So there's so many good ones. Um, we once again haven't discussed what order we're going to pick in. So any any ideas on that? I have an idea. Go. Last year we did something similar, but we um, drafted the things that would happen when Kenny Pickett gets drafted, like. It would mention his hand size. It would compare him to Dan Marino. All this and that. I think. I think it was a bingo board. Essentially, we drafted each four, and then made a prediction for where we would go. I looked back. Dylan won. He actually was the only Shocked. one of us to pick pick it to go to the Steelers. Uh, David, you were next, and then I was third. Those idiots on ESPN didn't say what I thought they were going to say. So we can pick which spot we want based off of those places or we could do something completely different. I think that that makes perfect sense. So I think this, I think this one's so broad that it, it really it doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter. Yeah. So Dylan, what, what spot do you want to pick in? I'll take the second one. I, I will go third. Oh, I get first. Point of clarification. No, no, I'll, I'll I don't want any clarification on the question I had because I think the more broad that this is, the better. Yeah, it can be something we love or we hate. It's just the best. And it can be a phrase like, like, oh, arm talent is off the charts uh, or something don't like. Don't spoil anymore. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, we're all on the same page. <laughs> we know what a cliche is. All right, Squid, go. So I'm first. I'm going to take Sneaky Athlete. I think that's the funniest. Um, this also kind of covers like Wes Welker type, uh, just any white guy who is better than you think they would be. We could have done a whole Mount Washington on NFL draft cliches for white receivers. NFL draft language is so racially coded. There was going to be a linebacker from Iowa or Wisconsin drafted sneaky athlete. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a million more of those, and you don't need to be watching the TV, and you could probably guess um, a little bit about what he looks like and what his childhood was was like based on on what they say. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with quicker than fast. So a guy. He, he doesn't have burner speed. He didn't run a 4-4, but he, he's quicker than he is fast. And I feel like that's that's used for, well, a lot of white guys. Um, and just anyone who doesn't run higher than they were expected to at, at the combine. I think a lot of these phrases, you'll see a theme. It's analysts and people making things up that make no sense, but they want to sound smart and make that player sound better than they are. It's like, yeah, he's not fast, but he's fast. Yeah, so I'll take that one. I can't believe my my first choice is on the board. I'm I'm so so happy. Um, 
I, I went a little different direction with this one. Um, so mine is an insane or borderline exploitative sob story about every top pick. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody is, you know, grandma that died of old age. Everybody's, you know, childhood trauma. Like they send out a questionnaire and it's like, who is the closest person to you that has died tragically? What is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Right. There was one year ESPN went so overboard with this. And I think they dialed it back a bit because around like pick 20 people on Twitter are like, what is going on? This is just every other guy bringing up like a, a family member die. You're like, yeah, this guy's dog died a week ago. He said he won't be there with him at the draft party at the house. It's like, come on. This is a happy night. Let's not make everyone cry. Before you get like they Roger Goodell walks up there. He says a name. And before you get his his position, where he went to college, his accomplishments, you get like, oh, well, his mother died tragically when he was four years old. Roll the clip. Yep. Yep. We'll get those. We'll get those this week. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those. Uh, and then my second pick, another one I'm really happy to get, is talking about ceilings and floors. Uh, how high this guy's ceiling is, how low the floor is, all of it. Um, every every iteration, every permutation. Uh, but that the analogy, they love a good house analogy, and, and that is their favorite, the ceiling and the floor for players. Got it. I'm going to go this next one and more so not, not the term itself, but the, just how broad it is, is red flags. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of red flags with this guy. And that could be anything mm-hmm. from he beat up his college girlfriend to he smoked the joint once or, or David, like you said, before we started recording, he's like a slight pain in the ass in the locker room or like he he's, parties a little bit too much. They just start saying yellow flags. Like, there's a lot of yellow flags around this guy. So it could be absolutely nothing. He could be like the team captain in two years, uh, or maybe he'll be in jail. So they need to have like a color system for this because not everything can be a red flag. Because the same like two or three terms are used for that entire spectrum of killed a guy, uh, whips his teammates with like a, a rolled up towel a little bit too much. It. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take these off you guys if you plan on using them as one of your picks, but like we know those, we, we could probably name those other terms. I, I, so, so point of order for this Mount Washington, I think when you like, there's a bunch of specific genres of these cliches that all mean the same thing. If, if Squid says, uh, blue collar i shouldn't be able to say lunch pail yeah i think like david said um ceiling and floors i was gonna say upside for one of mine it's the same thing right okay, um, we're on character the, issues so, so the implied thing. yeah character issues, character off, issues we'll off, off of the old issues yeah it, it's all it's all together got it so i am up and i'm so glad this came back to me uh, I was upset whenever you said this out loud when we started because I thought I would get stolen. Arm talent. I think talent. <laughs> everyone's favorite word. Now. Analyzing yes. quarterbacks is so annoying. And there's a few quarterbacks that are better than the rest. 
But in that second tier, there's a guy that everyone wants to be good. So they say he has arm talent because he's not actually good at throwing a football to players in games, but he looks good doing it. So, like so he has arm talent. The list goes on and on. It gets longer each year. Christian Hackenberg. You know, guy who they were saying didn't have enough arm talent or arm talent didn't get brought Average up. Average arm talent. Kenny good Pickett. enough arm talent was Kenny Pickett's. Not elite arm talent was one that got thrown around a lot, and that pissed me off a great deal. Squid, you get another one on the back. This is going to be tough. There's a lot that I like here. I'm going to go with mm, high motor. I think high motor is a good one, especially when you get into the guys in the trenches, the guys that play through the whistle and uh, keep the feet churning. I think this one's especially funny because there's always got to be a flip side to these. So you never hear like, oh, this guy's a low motor. He's just lazy, doesn't finish plays. I think it'd be funny if they were honest during these and they're like, yeah, he has a really low motor on the flip side. But high motor's a good one, I think. I think uh, it's mostly just fat white guys. (laughs) Peyton Hillis maybe had a high motor. That is high motor to me is another coded one. It's a dog whistle. All right. Back to me. Um, give me passes the eye test. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. This is one where it can get kind of weird too. You'll just hear McShay just talking. (laughs) I was at his pro day and he was walking around without his shirt on and he just really passes the eye test. He just, he's put together. His legs are huge. He just looks really good and, in tight underwear. And you're just like, all right, Todd McShay. Like you've been a ripped guy. Yeah. This is a ripped guy. The ripped guy. He looks the part big yoked dude. Yeah. Um, so passes the eye test is always a good one because it's always followed up with some, maybe a little. Or, or, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. You were going to say erotic. All right. <laughs> I'm up. I use this as an example, but I apologize for the short term memory. Did anyone take lunch pail blue collar hard hat? Nope, it's yours. Yes. All right. I feel like this is just what they. This is the exact script they used when Robert Spillane was drafted. <laughs> Lunch pale, blue collar, hard nose. Anybody who's ever played for Wisconsin or Iowa. Dad worked in the steel mill. You know we do, we do get guy. a couple of those. So what is yeah. your official pick? What is going on the graphic? How would you like this worded? Like, What's going on the draft card? Uh, either, I either want... Lunch pail or blue collar? We, I, well, I know mean, neither of you guys are going to help me. Um, lunch pail slash blue collar slash. We just go blue collar analogies. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll work on the marketing later. Um, and then after that, I'll take a... <laughs> another top tier white guy one. Uh, intangibles. Intangibles. Yeah. That. That's gone a little too far down the list here, but intangibles is great. It it basically just means like, yeah, he's not actually like a insane athlete relative to pro athletes, but a uh, lot of heart. <laughs> he tries very hard and he's a good leader. 
and we just kind of like him. Yeah, he's just somehow every- good at sports despite not looking like he'd be being like a little small and a little slow. Yeah, would it be the first pick in a pickup game? Love it. Well, for my last one, I'm gonna go, and this is like kind of a not as commonly used, but I always like when it gets brought up, and just a it's just a great football term. It's just plays in a phone booth. And it's just mm. one of those guys who, I mean, I feel like they use it in a couple different situations. Like you can make a guy miss in a phone booth. Those are like the real quick, shifty wide receivers or running backs mm-hmm. who can make guys miss. Or it's like he he does well in a phone booth. That's that's like a big offensive lineman who works well in small spaces. But of any phone booth analogy, that's always a good one. That, that's like second round midway through the day. Kuiper's starting to feel himself. And and this this wide receiver from uh, Louisiana Tech gets drafted. And he just drops like he'll make you miss in a phone booth. And then Todd McShay gives him like a wink, like that. That was a good one. I like to think that they have like a sheet of these phrases, right? And they they tick them off as they use them. And I know they spend like a significant amount of the off season thinking of new ones because I don't know what the hell else Mel Kuyper's doing, like. During the summer. This. This, yeah. Making far too early mock drafts. Yeah, and if anyone hears any new, like, new cliches that we need to keep in mind, please call them out and tweet them at us because there's so many good ones. I'm not going to pick this one, but I think another one kind of, like, passes the eye test. It's kind of weird, but gets a lot of play lately is, uh, is it wide hips for the, like, the left and right tackles? I feel like Mel Kuyper always talks about guys with like wide or quick hips. Hips, hips get a lot of play. I actually had oily hips on my list because they use that for like corners and safeties and linebackers and coverage. A lot of hip talk. So what is your last one? My last pick. Can I go with, I don't know if this is too similar to yours. You know what? Never mind. I'm going with uh, Coach's Kid. I think anytime there's a player who's the son of a coach, they have to bring it up. It's, it's obligatory. They, they do their research, like the, the pre-dive research, like we talked about the traumatic events. They get an email. They'll say, like, tell us who your favorite player was growing up. Um, any traumatic events recently we can talk about on the broadcast. Next one is... Uh, was your dad, grandpa, uncle, or anyone else a coach? Check yes or no. And if it is, they say, oh, he's the son of a coach. So, you know, we'll know the playbook. You you don't get to use this, but like they love when a guy's from a football family and they can just beat the hell out of it. Football family. Yeah. Even just the phrase football family. It's uncle played get... division two. Cousin played. Cousin was a GA at Slippery Rock. It's just a football family. Football family, yeah. All right. Well, I know we have some honorable mentions that we didn't actually get to pick. Everyone has four, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I was going to pick uh, raw talent with my last one there. Raw, yeah. It's kind of similar to the the upside one. It's like, yeah, this guy isn't good yet, but maybe he will be. I like uh, has all the measurables. You got, mm-hmm. Like if a guy tests well, but... He sucked in college. He has all the measurables. Um, freak. 
freak. Freak I athlete. Lengthy. I think lengthy is kind of a creepy one. They talk about cornerbacks and receivers. Great like length. Left tackle who has like a seven-foot wingspan. Like all that length will help him big time. Dylan, I had, I had two thoughts. I was really jealous that you got red flag. Um, and, and just off of that, what I had for that was uh, a little bit more specific, but like a super obscure red flag getting blown out of proportion leading up to like in the, the days before the draft and becomes a big storyline. Like That's exactly what it was based on. And you know, it's just because uh, a team that really wanted him planted it because they would benefit by his stock falling. And then usually it just kind of spirals out of control. Cause you know, somebody was just in Brady Quinn's ear, just like, Hey, we, we hope he's there at two. Can you, can you just like drop that he did this once? And then it becomes a whole ass storyline. Yeah. And then I, sorry. No, you're good. I was just gonna say the draft is so predictable. This happens every single time, every single year. Um, but on the flip side, I didn't want to mirror your pick, but I also had really high on the list. Um, the opposite of character concerns, the locker room guy or the high character guy. High character. Yep. That's a good one. Um, this kind of went hand in hand with arm talent, so I didn't take it, but can make all the throws, Mm -hmm. make all all the throws. Yep. Um, I'm just going to start blasting what I have here. Uh, day one starter is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, flies around any defensive yes. player who gets a lot of attack. Most linebackers fly around. I always I like the, the sideline. Yep. I always like oh. the good. He's a football player. Like, yes. Oh, this, that's a good this, one. This guy that's in the, the Pat Narduzzi special. Yep. This guy in the NFL draft is indeed a football player. But, I, but you know exactly what they mean when they say yes. it. It's just like, he's a football player. Whenever Pat Narduzzi nope. gives his yearly you. signing day press conference, there's about like 18 players. He, he runs through. He's like, oh, quarterback, this guy, blah, blah, blah. He'll get to a guy. He won't know what to say at first. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Ryan Jacoby. Yeah, he's a football player. He's a football player. Like, oh, okay. So he's pretty good. Got it. Uh, high football IQ. Great get off because you can use it for every position but quarterback. Like if you say – this guy has a great get off based on his position. You know what they mean and it applies to all of them. Um, and then another fun one I had was uh, um, a girlfriend or really any family ma- member making it about themselves. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, we, we've seen some really, really uncomfortable examples of that in the past. And it's usually usually like a like a dad stepping in front of the camera and overdoing it or a, a girlfriend that is very convinced that she has been the receiver of a bag oh yeah yeah this is i really wasn't that juiced for the draft like i was getting excited for it but this just has me so excited for all the other stuff that goes with it it's so fun it's way too fun for an event that really shouldn't be this fun. Like this, they could, they could have just made the draft a meeting. It could have been an email, an email. It literally, it literally could have been an email or a team's meeting. And instead we get to be privy to all of this magic and madness. It could have been like any other fantasy draft, just like we do say, all right, all the GMs log in, Couple Adele's beers. The, the commissioner, he'll 
make sure everything goes smoothly. No one uh, is on auto pick. Honestly, I mean, the draft is too good and too entertaining. But if for any reason they ever wanted to scrap this idea, I, I like the idea of sending all 32. Every team sends a representative, whether it's the GM or the head coach, and they send them to like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something. And they literally have to sit around <laughs> the table and make each of their picks like in each other's faces. Just like, oh, you, I want a Justin Jefferson. You, And then <laughs> and they have to drink while they do it. It would be be great tv and there's one terrible gm that takes a kicker in the third round they all laugh at him yeah Eh. one more jim rat oh yeah i know we i know we missed some good ones hit us up with the ones that we missed the worst we're gonna we're gonna put this out there for a vote but let us let us know what we missed because there's a trillion of these but uh, that that probably wraps it up for the uh, for the draft talk. Best of luck to all the Panthers participating. But now we have a very special interview with the national champion himself, Nino Bonacorsi. He he jumps on to tell us what uh, what winning a championship was like, um, peeing in a cup after. Actually, mostly that. Mostly that. We talked a lot about about the post match drug test, but uh, but. Guy's got some awesome stories about his win, and uh, we think you're going to love it. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy cozy and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, Use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome onto the show a very special guest, three-time ACC champion, two-time All-American, and your 2023 NCAA national champion, Bethel Park's very own Nino Bonacorsi. Nino, how the hell are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's it's so funny every time someone introduces me as that. Like I keep I'll do like interviews and stuff and they introduce me as that and I get so happy. I've been wanting to hear that for a long time. So doing pretty good. <laughs> well, you you get to be that forever. Like yeah. you are you are no longer Nino Bonacorsi. You are which in and of itself, great name. Uh, <laughs> you are you are national champion Nino Bonacorsi. Yeah, sounds sounds pretty sick. Yeah, <laughs> it's sweet. So how how has life been since you know you took home the hardware? Has anything changed for you? Yeah, it's been it's been honestly a little like overwhelming at times because you know I've had a lot of people obviously like reaching out and uh, doing a lot of media and stuff and um, just with like the aspect of like doing all that stuff, 
and then like kind of trying to wrap my head around like what I actually did. It's just like a lot of emotion. So it's like sometimes I'm like, I need to like take a breath. It's like a little much sometimes, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's something that, you know, I've always dreamed about doing. So, uh, and it's all good stuff. So I can't really have complaints about that. But, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, been really good. <laughs> nice little victory tour. Yeah, you you mentioned you um, you've kind of been coasting ever since. Uh, is is there any plans to like get back into the grind? You know, try to uh, per- pursue other opportunities for your wrestling career, or we did did we go out on top? <laughs> as much as I want to go out on top, I feel like it's 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 not in my nature. I feel like to just kind of coast anymore. Just the way I grew up, and just the way my parents are. My parents are hardcore Italian, so we. We don't know, like take, we can't, I can't take it easy. You know, I, uh, <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to actually start getting back in there. I'm going to start training and stuff. I'm trying to heal up uh, my body a little bit just from the bumps and bruises of just, you know, 20 years of wrestling. But, uh, and then mentally, <laughs> mentally kind of taking a, a little chill, but um, it won't be long before I'm back in the room and, uh, you know, training and just, you know, cause it's just who I am, you know, and I, I'd like to compete at some point in the future and, um so yeah so i'll be i'll be back <laughs> now nino looking back at this season you went 21 and 0 um you had a lot of success in your college career before um but to run the table like this was was there anything coming into this season that you did differently training wise or uh, anything that clicked for you or do you think it was just years and years of progression and they, they finally came together yeah um there definitely was some huge changes in my life but it's as far as like um, the progression, you know, I, I, I do think that's a huge factor in how I, um, as I had success this season, um, you know, I, I, I stay pretty committed to being uh, the best wrestler I can be, whether that's on the mat and especially off the mat. I kind of, I do, I do a lot of the right thing. So um, I was very confident that, you know, my work ethic and, you know, kind of the stuff I sacrificed would eventually pay off. But um Really, though, one of the big things was this summer, uh, I was coming kind of coming off like a pretty hard loss. You know, I didn't accomplish everything I wanted to the previous season. Um, and it really took me, you know, some of those hard losses to kind of learn the value, like what I really thought was important. You know, um, uh, when I had success the year before that, I made the finals the first time. I, uh, I started to put a lot of value and emphasis on just like winning because as myself, I had a lot of, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I had a lot of expectations of myself to have to win everything now. And I think that kind of played a role and, you know, kind of hurt me in a way where I wasn't wrestling to just wrestle and just be like grateful for it. I was kind of wrestling to like win and, you know, kind of hang on and just, just win, you know, which is like, in reality, you sometimes say that and they're like, yeah, no shit. You know, but, (laughs) but like, it's just bad advice. Yeah. So, but it's like, just the way I just was feeling it just like, it tightened you up in a way. Right. And it just took a lot of a hard loss to kind of learn, kind of switch my mindset. You know, I, I I started to view the sport as just like, you know, win or lose. I, I love wrestling. You know, I've been wrestling for 20 years. I mean, I love to win, obviously don't really like to lose, but just everything that comes with it, I love. So I, I really put an emphasis on that. And I really emphasize just um, being Nino, you know, cause I knew it was my last year and um, I knew if I wrestled how I, I normally would normally could, I could do good. And 
so yeah, just a lot of mental training and a lot of mental uh, adjustments, I think really played a factor this year, but yeah, went on a little tangent there, but <laughs> I, I love it. Like yeah. I said, magical season, uh, a long time coming, uh, believe it or not, none of us three are national champions in anything. So can you tell us about like that initial feeling and how you celebrated? Oh, dude, I still remember it. Like it's going to be burned in my head for forever. Um, but you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. I'm, I keep saying the word surreal, but it was something that I dreamed about, you know, every day, you know, something that was always on my mind, you know, waking up, uh, going to bed, it was something, you know, how could I get better at this? How can I do this? It's something that's just always running in your head. And, um, I ended up landing my final takedown in front of the scoreboard and, um, I was able to kind of watch the clock tick down and to kind of see the seconds tick down to my like lifelong dream. It was just very, like very special. And I kind of felt very blessed that, you know, through all the ups and downs and all the turbulence in my career as a wrestler, just in life, you know, it felt like all worth it. And it was just kind of everything coming to at once. So I don't know if you like a lot of things like I just fell back and my hands were on my head because I was just kind of in disbelief about how, you know, everything transpired. And yeah, so it was just a, it was a very surreal moment for me, for sure. Yeah, we could we could kind of tell um, we were watching the game from one of our favorite spots, Archie's the game, the match. Sorry, still getting used to wrestling. Um, <laughs> we, we were watching the match from uh, from Archie's and, and it just kind of looked like the perfect image of a Pittsburgh kid wrestling for Pittsburgh, winning a championship. There were tears, there was blood, there was, you know, celebration. It, it was great. Now, now what do you, what yeah. do, so you win a national championship. What do the, the seconds and then hours after that look like? Dude, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. So um, you run off the mat and, you know, I saw my coaches and my family and everything, you know, I was very, very great. So um, then you run in the back. So then they have like a bunch of people like kind of on you, kind of telling you where to go for interviews and stuff. So for me, so I went in the back. I also met Trump, which is kind of crazy. Too. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Was yeah. I hallucinating when I saw <laughs> Donald Trump shaking hands with you or that happened? <laughs> it still feel Yeah, no, that actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> he was just hanging out at the wrestling national championships. Yeah, dude, I like ran by him at first. I didn't even know. I was so, so out of it. And then the per- people were like, there's Trump right there. And I just kind of turned around and he was like right by my face. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> What's up? You, know? you have any uh, words of wisdom for you? He was just like telling me, he's like, great job. He goes, That's so tough to do. And uh, just kind of like, just like, yeah, some words of encouragement. I kind of don't really remember. It's kind of like a blur. Yeah. But he shook my hand, you know, and everything. So it was kind of crazy. And uh, so then I run in the back and I do my interview. So then when I leave my interview, they have a guy waiting for me who's like does the drug testing. So as soon as I like sign this paper for him telling him like I'll like do the drug test, he's like not allowed to leave my side, which is kind of funny. So like I'm like going to get a drink and he's like watching me. I guess so. It's like I don't like cheat or whatever, but it was kind of weird. So everywhere I went throughout the interviews and seeing everyone, he was like with me. He was like my little entourage. Um (laughs) So then we went into like the was, was that guy at least like pleasant or was yeah. he was he all like he was all, he wasn't taking away from the moment No no yeah he was he was he was cool he wasn't he just kind of stood there in silence so it wasn't like that or anything but um <laughs> <laughs> so then uh we um eventually 
went back to like where we get our drug test room and everything and all the champs go back there. So when I went back, there was like two guys who, who already won and we were, uh, basically had a pee like in this cup, you know, and it was kind of like a decent amount. And, um, it was like, I couldn't pee like at all. It was like horrible. Like and ne- ne- no one could pee back there. I don't know if it was cause like, cause I mean, at least for me before my match, I pee like 20 times cause of like nerves and everything. So when it was time to like pee afterward, I had like nothing in me. So we're just chugging water. So then we're like, which is like fine. It's like, okay, I'll just chill in here, you know, but they told us that, um, once you start, like I already started doing it, like you could start and like chill and go back and try to fill it up some more. But they said, once you start, um, you can't like leave the room and we had to leave the room to take our champions picture. So he was like, you have like 15 minutes. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I can do it. So I was crushing the actual match. Yeah, dude. It was like harder than the match. And it was like so much pressure. So then they told me. A lot of people watching. There's people watching me. And then, yeah, he's like standing over my shoulder like when I pee. (laughs) So I'm like, this is kind of hard, dude. And then so like they told me they're like giving some of the guys tips because there was other guys in the same boat as me, like just couldn't pee. And uh, they told some other guys to, like, to get your bladder going, like, lay on the floor and do, like, crunches. So I came out of, like, the bathroom and I saw, like, some guys, like, we were huddled on the floor, like, crunching, like, trying to get the bladder going. I'm like, well, this is, like, what happened? To, like, <laughs> you win the national title and you're just huddled on the floor doing crunches to freaking pee. But um, so I eventually got it out of me and I eventually peed and, you know, but it was, like. It was rough. It was really rough. That's such a sobering experience. Yeah. It really humbles you out. That's for sure. When you're when you're on the dirty carpet trying to get your bladder to go. Yeah, I'd imagine you're you're thinking like you're gonna run back and maybe pop some champagne, celebrate with yeah. with your parents and it's like no. nah, come piss Uh-oh. in this cup. I know, dude. So it wasn't it's so it's not as glamorous as it might sound. It was, it was actually kind of rough. <laughs> Didn't you tell them that alcohol is a diuretic? Like, <laughs> get a couple bottles, couple cases that yeah. would get you right going. I know. They just had these like little well, then it was like they didn't want you to drink too much water because apparently if you drink too much water, it dilutes it. So then right. it doesn't count anyway. So it's like it's just like a horrible setup. And I was like almost like just take my blood or something. Like I got nothing. Out. Like I can't leave just like do any other test i don't know but it was uh yeah it was it was crazy <laughs> and then once you sufficiently filled the cup yeah what what was next pictures and then when did you finally get to like actual celebrate your accomplishments yeah so we um so we took our yeah we got our champions picture then we got like um we got these jackets um so kind of slowed down and then we went back to the hotel and um, then my parents and my brother and my friends were at the hotel. So when we got to our room, it was like kind of like a, a reliving of the, the moment and everything. So that was kind of it. And, you know, there was like no. So it was like late at that point. It's almost like midnight. So there was like nothing around, no food. And um, Dom, there was only a Domino's oak, open like walking distance. So uh, we got a Domino's pizza. And so I had my... uh. I didn't, so I'm still like in my singlet too, which is everything. So you, you feel like dirty, you're like, my lips are bleeding. Um, I'm not showered and I'm sitting on the chair and I got my little, my trophy in front of me and I'm eating like a Domino's pie with uh, some Mountain Dew. So that was wow. like kind of my memory after the fact. <laughs> That'd be an amazing commercial. 
Yeah, <laughs> I know. My feet were up and everything. It, uh, I know it actually could have been. I wish someone would have took a picture. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I know I, it's very. It's probably very different than what people think is what actually uh, happens after the uh, the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just picturing the 2019 college football national championship where like Odell Beckham Jr. was walking around the LSU locker room handing out stacks of cash. <laughs> there was there was none of that for you. No, just none, of, none of that. Peeing in a cup and then dominoes. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. That's very much what it was. So since then you had a little bit more glamorous of a victory tour. Uh, just the other day you're at PNC Park. You threw out the first pitch. Where did that rank on the level of nerves throughout the week? Uh, Dude. The national championship. Yeah, man, that was up there. That was probably like it was probably like throwing the pitch like finals, I think, for me, because like I haven't thrown a ball since I was like eight years old. And I'm like not shitting you. Like I don't throw baseball. I don't throw football. I can't throw. I I don't mean to typecast, but there are two things every wrestler I've ever met can't do. And one is dribble a basketball and two is like throw a ball. Yeah. No, you're right. I can't. It's freak athletes. Just like this well, dude, motion. I, can't my do it. arms, like in my body built, like I, my arms are made to like pull legs in. I can't, they're not made to throw any object or do anything like athletic looking. <laughs> There's catered just the freaking hand fight and pulling a leg. So I was like really nervous. So I was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to like really screw this up. But, uh, so I practiced for like two hours the day before and uh, I'm pulling up the clip right now, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, I was able to kind of get it somewhat straight. You know, I just said, as long as it's straight and it kind of gets in the area code, uh, we'll be good. So I, I think I did a decent job for having the worst arm in, in history. <laughs> that was pretty good. The catcher could have helped you out and framed it a little bit better, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got it there. Yeah, I got it there. Yeah, so it was uh, not too bad. So I actually get to do, um, I think there's like, this is a semi-pro team, like the Washington Wild things. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to do one there, um, I think, in a couple months or so. So I get another, ch- I get a chance at, to really get a good strike. So the, the throw wasn't bad. I don't, I don't know if you guys just heard me watching it. It wasn't bad. You, you, you kept the, your, you know, <laughs> your technique tight to avoid mistakes. And plus, if anybody ever makes fun of you for it, you can just put them in a headlock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, but it was really fun. I got to go in the dugout and everything, and it was really cool. And we watched the game, and yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a bad experience. <laughs> Not only did you get to throw out the first pitch um, at the baseball backyard brawl, but I heard that uh, April fifteenth is now Nino Bonacorsi Day in Bethel Park. <laughs> I don't even know where to be. How do you? what is the process for getting <laughs> your own day? And then what do you get to do on your day? Yeah. So um, it's not, I know another thing that's not as glamorous as it sounds. So I, uh, Damn, I, uh, <laughs> sounds like one of the national championships is a pain in the ass. Yeah. It sounds like it sucks. <laughs> I know. What's the point anymore? But uh, I'm never so, like that. They, the, our, um, like a secretary of the mayor's office in Bethel, like reached out to me a couple of days after and was like, Hey, what are you doing this day? Um, you want to come in and get recognized? I was like, okay. So I thought they were just going to give me like a plaque or something, just to like kind of congratulate me. And then like a couple days before they called um, my dad actually, for some reason. And they're like, Hey, we want to name a day after, you know, can you tell, can you give them a, di- can you give us like a day you want to 
have it on. And my dad said April 15th. Don't know where I came from. Don't know why he said April 15th. But I'm like, okay, I guess that's the day. I was like, I don't know why we didn't say March 18th, like the night I won. But apparently, so he wanted to do April 15th. So basically, we just showed up and um, it's Nina Day. And I, so when April 15th rolled around, I didn't do anything for it. I didn't, uh, to be fair, I didn't really go out and like test what I could really do. Um, I probably should have went to like a couple <laughs> restaurants. It's <laughs> like, it's me. Like, I get put this on the house or something I, but uh, so i never did anything but <laughs> i don't know if you have a girlfriend or anything but i would have been on like all the dating apps just like guess what day it is guess what day it is oh yeah. <laughs> <what day> <laughs> <No>, yeah for real but it was like i know i think a lot of people too were like what do you want what do you want from us i don't know like i don't know what, <laughs> you know but uh so it was uh yeah it was cool <laughs> that i mean it's very cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like, I dumb it down a little bit, but it's all very, I'm very grateful for everything. And it's kind of, it's cool to even have, you know, some of this stuff I'm doing. It, it's just, I, uh, I don't make a bigger, big deal out of it or anything, but it does mean a lot. It's, uh, it's been very, uh, very humbling. That's for sure. That's what we're here for. You know, yeah. <laughs> making a big deal for you. <laughs> exactly. But even even before you know the glory of first pitches and and Domino's pizza, uh, you know catered celebrations, it, it wasn't always super glamorous. Uh, you actually started your college wrestling career unattached. That was your your redshirt freshman season. Um, yeah. This was a completely foreign concept to the three of us. Can you yeah. help us understand what that you you don't wrestle for a school, but you wrestle in? NCAA tournaments right so um essentially it's just like i mean have you guys heard of red shirting like you know that yeah. Is? yeah so it's essentially red shirting but unattached just means that i can't wear like the pit singlet like i'm not wrestling like for pit i'm kind of going by myself so honestly like you got you three could enter a college open and be unattached you know so like any anyone can enter an open and be like unattached um you could be like this year as a senior, I could have went to an open and I would have wrestled for under pit because I'm not red shirting. So all okay. it means you're just, you're, it kind of symbolizes that you're red shirting um, because there's NCAA roles that you can't compete. Um, like you can't compete in tournaments. If you're red shirting, you can't like wear the pit singlet, but they're actually changing some of those roles. So now it's like, if you red shirt, you're able to wrestle five dates. So like our heavyweight this year, red shirted but he wrestled in doles for us so they're like they're kind of changing it but that's all it meant yeah so i'm able to just go to like college opens um i, I don't qualify for like the conference or national tournament and i just have to wear like i know my own singlet i could wear like my bethel park singlet to a college open if i wanted to but i'm still <laughs> training in the room and everything but that's that's kind of all it means those kind of sound like the wild wild west is there anything weird that goes on at those tournaments yeah, I mean, you see a lot of interesting characters, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you'll see, obviously, your typical college guys and guys you're familiar with, but then you'll see, like, a 40-year-old guy, like, entering the tournament. What? Yeah, there's been some, like, dads and some adults who just want to enter it just for, like, the shits, shits and giggles of it. But uh, they get – it's rough for them. I don't know why they do that, but <laughs> – I was going to ask, are they actually yeah. good in, or they just can't they, hang it up? 
they're good for like 30 seconds. They're pretty, they're, uh-huh. you know, then they just hit the wall and then they get kind of beat up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, well, uh, it's interesting for sure. I'm 27 and I'm almost your exact weight. So if I ever want you to kick the shit out of me, I might have to yeah. throw on my wrestling singlet from North Hills when I was eight years old, if it's still fit <laughs> and, uh, and hop in the ring. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so is, do you think that that's a beneficial process? Like, do you think that contributed to your growth as a wrestler? Yeah, I, I think it definitely got me ready for college. Um, I think that red shirt year, that red shirt year is huge. I mean, you could also enter in these, you could also red shirt and then just not go to any tournaments. You could just go to practice all year. Um, which is fine. And some people do that. I always felt like you got the most out of like, go like wrestling matches and stuff and like real competition. Um, so if anything, it got me ready to when I was competing for my first year. So we call it like your red shirt freshman year, which is when you're actually able to like compete for the team and everything. You're just that much more ready. Cause you, re- you wrestled 30 college matches already, you know? So it's not like you're, like a freshman, you, you already had matches kind of under your belt. So it definitely got me ready and it definitely helped the transition from like high school to college. Cause it's, it's very different and it's hard to adjust at first, I think. So. Yeah. I could certainly see that. Um, yeah. Just, that is a weird concept. It's weird. I'm really yeah. struggling to wrap my head around a bunch <laughs> of 18 year olds and 40 year olds wrestling <laughs> in logo lists. Yeah. Uh, uniforms oh did yeah you ever have to wrestle one of those 40 year olds were you licking your chops or were you like oh do i have do to you do feel this? bad for them so well so there's also like you guys hear heard of like freestyle wrestling like you know it's oh, like okay yeah so there's a there's some there was a freestyle tournament i did in the summer and i was like i might have been a junior and uh there was this 40 year old who um he was going to enter the tournament and i actually when the brackets came out I had him first match. He he wasn't even 40. He might have been like 60. Um, <laughs> and then he ended up not entering. So then they redid the brackets and I had someone else. So he wasn't uh, even tournament. But that was kind of the closest I came. I was like, it wouldn't have been a bad first match. But uh, <laughs> I think it would have, you know, got a nice little easy win there. But but unfortunately, he he pulled out. Pulled out, man. Fortunate <laughs> for him. Yeah. If you ever get the itch to enter another one of these... Can we just throw a loyal son singlet on you? We'll customize yeah. one. Hey, dude, not never say never. You know, I might get that itch again, and I'll I'll throw on a loyal son singlet for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what's next for you. You, know, yeah. you, you said you want to keep wrestling. Yeah, um, <laughs> we can we can get you to be the the loyal wrestler in in one of these tournaments whenever you hit the ripe old age of of forty. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, maybe not that, but you, you did allude to, you know, continuing your wrestling career. What does that look like after college? Is that the Olympics? Is is there, you know, a professional wrestling, not WWE, that's what my mind immediately went to, or WWE, I guess, what's you next? tell us, what, what's next? Yeah, so, um, unfortunately, there's no, um, like, professional wrestling. I mean, there's WWE, obviously, but in terms of, like, our sport... There's no like NFL, NHL, but the closest thing we get is to just the world championships and the Olympics. So that's like kind of our profession. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially what would be next for me is just trying to make some of those world teams and try to make the Olympic team and just kind of wrestle overseas and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's not, it doesn't pay as good as some of those other professional sports things, but I mean, that's kind of all we got. And, you know, it's definitely improved, um, you know, back to when my head coach Keith and, and Drew were in, in college and trying to wrestle afterwards, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot of money there. So I always say those guys kind of paved the way for us now. And there's a lot of sponsors and it's, it's definitely grown since then. So you can make a living out of it if you wanted to, but, um, again, we're still, obviously there's still room to improve, but that's kind of, that's kind of the, the plan afterwards. And if you want to keep wrestling, that's kind of what you got to do. So gold would look good on you. I think so too. <laughs> I'd love to wear some gold. <laughs> We'd love to watch you in the Olympics. That'd be that'd be big, big for Pitt. You better believe we'd rep the hell out of that. Oh, that'd be huge. Yeah, man. So either Paris or uh, Los Angeles. So those are the two next Olympic games. So those we uh, preferably Los Angeles because you know we don't got to travel far. But you know, I'm not picky. So <laughs> you'd make the trek to Paris if it meant uh, wrestling for Olympic gold. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know, we're really excited at the prospect of watching you uh, wrestle in the Olympics, and, and we wish you the best with your, the rest of your career. But uh, before we let you go, uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about food because we, nice we hear language. <laughs> that's what we heard. That's what we heard. Uh, <laughs> Coach Drew tipped us off to uh, he said he said if you just talk to Nino about food, your interview could could go on and on. So I wanted to ask you how hard was it to maintain your wrestling weight um you know with sunday dinners every week and and that sort of thing yeah so honestly weird weird answer i'm gonna get it actually wasn't super hard and i actually didn't have to cut a ton of weight um during my season it was just um so i was originally a 184 pounder um then COVID hit and then i had like six to eight months of just lifting and eating and I got up to 220. Um, and, uh, so then that's why I decided to make the move to 197. So I was never like super, I was never like naturally like a 220 pounder and had to cut the 97. I was really more so like a 205 pounder and getting down, which is still, I mean, you still got to cut a little bit of weight, but it was never something where I was like really struggling like some of these other guys who really have to watch their weight, which kind of benefited me because in my matches, I like to bring a lot of like high pace and a lot of energy. So I kind of needed all the energy I could store. Um, but with that being said, um, it would be hard to kind of, I would have to shut it off at one point. I'd have to push a plate away. But I mean, for me, like I, I'll just keep eating. So after like the <laughs> second or third plate, you know, I wanted to eat a little more and I couldn't. But, um, you know, my mom doesn't help either because she, She'll cook me, you know, pasta the night before. And I'm like, this isn't going to sit well. It's going to be too hard <laughs> to get off, you know, or she'll go to the store. Dude, I'll never forget. I always tell her this. And this was like, this was like, there was one time, I think it was like last year. I was like kind of watching. Um, I was sort of having like a week where I kind of had to watch what I ate. And all the times before that, I always told her I wanted cinnamon rolls. I'm like, you should get a little cinnamon roll. So I got a little dessert later or something, you know, she'd never get them. So this one week where I happen to be watching, you know, she goes to the store and she comes back. She got cinnamon rolls. I'm like, what are you doing to me? 
you know? <laughs> and so, like, I mean, I had obviously had to have a half a cinnamon roll that night, but it was like, so, <laughs> but she's an Italian mom, so she's always trying to feed me, but, uh, but it ha- hasn't bit me in the ass too bad this year. So, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, what's your, what's your favorite plate? Put together the perfect plate for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do chicken parm. Oh. Um, extra cheese on top. Pasta on the side. Uh, some. We'll, I'll add, like, extra sauce because we'll have garlic bread. So extra sauce to dip the garlic bread in. And then just a big Caesar salad. Oh, man. That, that's, that's, probably my, that's probably my best Sunday plate right there. I could eat that forever. I wouldn't get sick of it. <laughs> My stomach's rumbling. Yeah. And then, and then for dessert, you would have the new Millie's flavor that they're naming after you. Yeah. So it's, uh, so they, they, we framed it sort of to be like an Italian theme. Um, so it's a little more of like a cannoli theme. So the, the name for it is they called it Hail Tonino's Cannoli Championship. Uh, oh, so it has wow. like a ricotta vanilla base. Uh, waffle cone and chocolate chips in it, and then they got like blue and yellow sprinkles for pick colors. So, and I I keep telling people I'm like I'm not trying to be biased, but it's really good. So I'll have to I'll get I got to get you guys a pint somehow. So I have like some extra pints. Maybe you guys could tell me how it tastes, but maybe I'll give it to Drew or something. He'll meet he'll meet you guys. But yeah, cater the loyal sons tailgate with uh. With the Nino Bonacorsi cannoli ice cream. Hell yeah. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Millie's doesn't miss. And they aren't paying like paying me to say that. <laughs> I know. No, they are they're very good. I don't know. Something about it. They're just I yeah. No, I love them. They're very good. I I speak for all of us when I say I cannot wait to try this ice cream and we are are so happy for all the cool things that have come your way. First pitches ice cream flavors uh day is named after you you deserve all of it and you you make you know panther nation really proud so so thank you for uh for giving us something to cheer for and, and thank you for joining us today this was this was awesome i i never thought we'd uh hear all about the mechanics of of piss testing but <laughs> i'm really glad that we did so thank you for your time and uh hail to pit man Congrats yeah again Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. This was fun, and hopefully I gave you a little insight to what it's like. <laughs> Dane, oh, we know too there. much now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll keep that off the record. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you again to Nino for joining us. Uh, I am genuinely excited to try that Millie's flavor. I love cannoli, and that's... Yes. Like if you get like little waffle chunks in it, that would just, that's perfect. I really, really looking forward to that. Hope he sends us some, uh, that'd be killer, but I uh, congrats again to him for the national championship and, and best of luck as he prepares to, uh, take a shot at the Olympics. Uh, before we wrap up though, um, I would like to hear some final thoughts from all of you guys, uh, as we head into one of the most beautiful weekends of the spring. And that is, uh, draft weekend, but first I would like to hear what you guys have to say. I'll kick us off. Just wanted to bring up how our boy 
Kenny pick. I mean, how many times has Kenny's name already been said in this episode? But not enough. You're right. Not enough. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Kenny, Kenny showed Kenny, up. Kenny, to, Kenny. Kenny showed up to. I don't even know what what was that OTAs mini camp or just workouts. Was photographed in public. They're just back in town. They're back in town. Back at the, facility the boys are back in town. Boys are back down in the South Side facility, and Kenny is looking thick. Kenny Thicket, as as he was dubbed on Twitter, um, I think he said he was two thirteen at the end of last season. And he's up to two twenty six, and it's visible. And I love that Kenny was just spending this off season getting yoked. Um, we saw a couple times last year he got a little ragdolled by by some bigger defenders. Uh, the offensive line didn't do him any favors, but I love that he's putting on some pounds and he's simply just going to run through some linebackers face. Masks oh yeah. This season. I think it was hilarious. I think it was you, Dylan, you sent that in our GM and said, Kenny looking a little thick right now. And then within 20 seconds in a separate GM, someone else sent, looks like Kenny's been housing some beers lately. So I saw the picture and I thought maybe it's just like a baggy shirt. Maybe it was windy bad angle from the photographer, but I think everyone's on the same page. Like Kenny's been putting in that work. Filling out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's enough of a thing that he was kind of forced to comment on it. And or he was at least asked about it. And he said, you know, it was a big priority this off season to put on a little bit of weight. He didn't get the opportunity to really like work out, work out uh, last year because straight from the season to draft prep straight from the draft to rookie camp. And, you know, learning the playbook and, and starting to train with Steelers receivers. So this was his first opportunity in years to, to put on some, some big boy pounds. Also, it is more beneficial for the combine to be quicker and lighter because all you're doing is running, doing those agility drills. Um, you want to look real good in tight clothes. So it is kind of dumb that for the combine, you have to like get super thin and, look different than how you would in an actual game day. It's like an audition, but it's a lie. So he said it'd be better. If so like every job interview way. ever. Correct. You just lie yeah. about your resume and then show up and are not good at your job. Except Kenny not me or Kenny Pickett. Extremely... Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about you. Kenny Pickett is extremely good at his job. Yeah. What about you squid? Well, after the long offseason last year of West Virginia fans being annoying about just about everything, but specifically attendance, uh, we all know the vivid seats, 75% of Agastro Stadium debacle. Uh, we don't care about that. That's that's all noise. We care about the results in the field here in Pittsburgh. Well, I think it was the blue and I don't know what the fuck they called it. West Virginia's spring game happened, and there were 298 people in attendance. I saw this picture. Some innocent reporter uh, posted a picture pregame of his view from the press box of the game, and I counted every person in the stands, and there were 298. <laughs> uh, and then Pitt fans lit him up. Oh, I thought you cared about attendance, blah, blah, blah. I hope they have a terrible year. I hope we pummel them so bad that it is 75% pit fans in their stadium come the fourth quarter. Uh, I want nothing but the worst for West Virginia fans. Neil Brown, not a very popular guy in Morgantown right now. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a dead man walking. 
dead man walking. Yeah, no, that was cool to see. Um, I love it. Uh, one of those reap what you sow, fuck around and find out type situations, but uh, they're in for a hell of a year. Um, so I'll close it out. Uh, my final thought is um, David Bedner, closer for the Pirates. He, he's he's perfect. He is he is so perfect for what one that organization is building, and and two to be pitching in the exact situation that he is. He is a big old Mars boy that walks out to renegade. Yeah, it's he's like a real life Kenny Powers. He comes out. They play a baseball version of Renegade, and he 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 looks the part, and he is from the area. And closers closers have the best job in the entire world because you get called in for one inning, throw nine balls as hard as you possibly can, and then you get all the glory. And so for that reason, they become. They always be when it when a team goes on a run in baseball, it seems like the closer always like becomes super famous from it and and is like the toast of the town. Yeah, it's like a, you rally around the the closer. Yes. It's like because when Bedner's coming in, you're like, okay, we have a chance to win the game, and this guy's coming in to seal it, and he's coming in to renegade, and he's drinking a icy light, and he just wiped off his face with his terrible towel. I was about to say, Bednar hangs around, spits seeds for eight innings, comes out to Renegade, pumps cheddar, and then houses a Hermandy sandwich and goes to bed. Does the same thing the next day. Yinzer, uh, absolute Yinzer. Obviously, McCutcheon is going to be the face of that team, and there are a bunch of young guys that are going to, I think, grasp the hearts and minds of Yinzers everywhere. Um, but Consider him among that mix to have a meteoric profile rise in the city of Pittsburgh, assuming they continue to keep winning games at the rate that they are, which is a high rate. 16 and 7 at the time we're recording this. We don't usually delve into baseball too often, but when God our Bucks, when the Battle and Bucks are playing like they are now, they they have to get some some face time. That they do. That they do. So heading into the weekend, uh, or out of the weekend, because today is Sunday. That that's your homework. Go root on the Buckos. Go root on some Panthers to make some money this weekend. And as always, Dylan, this is your line. Hail, loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.